6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Well, we're just going to cycle back around to this story, of course, that we've been following all week, our top story throughout the week, and it was that discovery of the bodies of 215 children on the grounds of that former residential school in Kamloops. Um, in, in light of that, provinces across the country, including Alberta, have committed to fund research into undocumented deaths and burials. We heard from Eileen in that newscast that the federal government announcing, what, $27 million to, a, to assist in searching for burial sites at, at schools. But for those who do that work, they say you just can't show up with the technology and get it done. Uh, there is a process that must be followed. Keisha Supernant is one of the people who does this work. She's an anthropology professor at the University of Alberta. Keisha, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, now, I, I, man, oh, man, I mean, I, I can't imagine doing this work. I mean, it's what you, you've studied that is, is your background. Let's start with, you know, word of the discovery out of, out of Kamloops. Um, did it come as a surprise to you? I really can't say that it came as a surprise, you know, having done work with Indigenous communities, being an Indigenous person myself, you know, the stories that come out around these residential school sites, we know that there are graveyards probably around every single mm-hmm. school, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with every, yeah, every single, every single school. And so now we... We have a country that seems to be waking up to um, some of the horrors that happened at these institutions, and now we're seeing governments and the, the provincial governments and the federal government saying, "Hey, you know what? We're going to step up um, and and help fund this." And it, you know, was part of the recommendations in the, in the Truth and um, and Reconciliation Commission. You, you say that it's important to keep in mind, though, that this is very sensitive it's a sensitive process you just can't show up what needs to be kept in mind I think there's a number of things that we need to keep in mind, some uh, around connected with the community and some on the technical side I'm going to start with the community mm-hmm. one of the big challenges here is that in many of these schools there are multiple nations whose children went to these schools so it's not a simple matter of this nation and this school mm-hmm. and all of those nations need an opportunity to come together to have those conversations about how this work should be done what kind of work they they want to see done the types of cultural protocols and ceremonies that need to be involved and the types of supports that will be needed for the community and especially for survivors and and their families um, and then there's a the technical side so there's a lot of you know, companies and and organizations that may use these types of techniques, but they're originally designed for mining operations, Mm -hmm. for geology, and in order to be designing the right approach to using these technologies to find unmarked graves requires a certain type of expertise that many of these companies don't have because they haven't necessarily used it for those purposes before. Um, so I think we have to have a coordination around how these technologies are being used. Now, you you did work on a project involving a residential school uh, mm-hmm. a few years back in, in Saskatchewan, and you and your team helped find remains of some students at a at a school near Lestock. How mm-hmm. how do you pre- how do you prepare for that? Again, I know it's it's your it's your it's your work and it's your study and it's it's your expertise or that's what you're schooled in. I'm not going to say it's your expertise because, gosh, how can that be? But how do you prepare for that? 
That's a good question. It's really challenging work. And I will say at the beginning, I did not set out on my career path to find missing children around residential schools. It just, I've been trained in archaeological methods mm. in, in how we use some of these non-invasive techniques to explore things that happened in the past. But this has become a very uh, prominent issue. And as an Indigenous person, as someone who has connections to, to that history, who you know feels the effects of intergenerational trauma, it seems to be the most meaningful way that I could use the skills that I have in order to support communities. But for me, of course, it's really important to start in community. Mm-hmm. So when I when we did the work at the Muskaugan uh, Indian Residential School, we started by going and meeting with community. It was an open space where where we we talked about the work. We explained why we had been invited there and, and what it is that we were actually going to be doing. There was ceremony involved. There was sort of visiting involved, and then out on the site as well. We also you know did, did smudging and ceremony there uh, before and after in order to ensure. That, that we're protected but but I actually got really sick after doing that work mm. and and um, I think that for me it's really important to have that that spiritual support as well as the emotional support and the technological support and when we talk about uh, the technology side can you can you tell us how it does work yes I, I think this is really important to explain how especially ground penetrating radar which is what we've been hearing a lot about, Yeah, uh, how it actually works. So what it really is, is that there's an antenna which is housed in a small box, and we place that on the surface of the ground, and then we drag it along the ground at kind of regular intervals, and it sends a signal down into the earth, and that signal bounces back differently depending on what's underneath it. So we're really looking in this case for changes in the soil. So when we're, we're pulling it along and then something changes, it reflects differently back, we can then start to build kind of a, a, a map of where those areas of difference are. Now, if they're occurring over, say, a two-meter uh, length and mm-hmm. in a rectangular shape, about six feet down, because yeah. we, can, we can get a sense of depth. And, and we actually also can sometimes see a coffin sort of signature on that as well. Then we're, we're pretty sure what we're looking at is mm-hmm. a grave. But we don't see the bodies, right? Mm-hmm. We don't actually see the, the skeletons mm-hmm. or, or anything like that. We just see the grave shaft. And if there's a coffin, we can sometimes detect the coffin as well. Before I let you go, um, you, and thank you for joining me this afternoon. I know that um, there's been a lot of interview requests that have come into you um, over the past number of days, people wanting to find out more and, and, and learn more and, and, and what is being done and how it's, how it's being done. You talked a, a little bit about, uh, you know, the ceremony and you talked about getting sick after, you know, working um, in, in Saskatchewan. As governments, as the provinces and as the federal government commits to working and searching for burial sites at, at schools and, and revealing um, more, what do we have to keep in mind moving forward? You've talked about things being culturally sensitive. You've talked mm-hmm. about, you know, again, I mean, you talk about wounds being reopened here. Mm-hmm. What needs to be priorities moving forward? 
I think the priority is um, meeting whatever the needs are of the community and recognizing that for some, they're not ready to, to immediately start this work, uh, that there may be other issues that, that are more pressing um, and that we, we can't just sort of rush into this because I, I do believe that if, if it's done in a rushed way and done in a way that um, doesn't account for all this complexity, there's potential for it to to do to potentially do more harm and that's my biggest concern right now is wanting to make sure that we're we're doing this in a good way and taking the direction of communities providing some sort of coordinated effort about how this work needs to be done um, and and giving the communities the best possible information from the technologies that that we can Keisha will you be okay doing more of this work I have a lot of cultural supports. I've been lucky enough to work with with elders and knowledge mm-hmm. keepers, um, and and to have that. And I really strongly feel like this is the best possible use of my my skills and abilities. I know that sounds strange to say, mm-hmm. but you know, some people have that sense of like this is what I'm here to do, and, and I feel like this is one of those things I'm here to do. I want to help bring those children home. I want to help bring them back to our communities, back into relation with us. And if I can do that, then then I will continue to do it and support communities to do that work. Thank you so much uh, for sharing your work with us this afternoon. And um, I look forward to speaking with you again. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me. Take care. Dr. Keisha Supernant this afternoon. She's the director of the Institute of Prairie and Indigenous Archaeology and an associate professor in the Department of Anthropology at the University of Alberta. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.